Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to talk about an article that I've been seeing making the rounds. I've seen multiple news outlets um, present the, the story, present the headline, uh, some have a little bit more information than others, but it is a CNN article that was posted that stated black newborns three times more likely to die when looked after by white doctors. Right. So obviously, before we even dig into that, um, there's a segment of people that would see that headline and would just completely freak out. This would be considered um, a radical, just the just the wording of it, right? But the way I look at it, I mean, you just—I mean, it's just—it's just, just kind of how you know. It's just—it's just what it is. Some people may look, like I said, some people may look at it and say it's radical. They shouldn't say that, you know, this, that, and the third. But you know, it's there. Uh, like I said, other news outlets have picked it up and the same verbiage was used, but I don't want to spend too much time focusing on the headline. I want to get into this article as well as other articles that I have that, uh, you know, put this little puzzle together, right? So um, the study was conducted by George Mason University. And the conclusion, well, the test subject or sample that they utilized was 1.8 million hospital births in the state of Florida between 1992 and 2015. So roughly uh, 23 years of uh, study, right? Uh, it was published in the journals, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America, um, also known as PNAS. Uh, so just digging into some of the uh, meat and potatoes of it, uh, it stated that when cared for by white physicians, black newborns were about three times more likely to die in the hospital than white newborns, right? Uh, that disparity dropped significantly when the doctor was black, although black newborns nonetheless remained more likely than white newborns to die. Right. So when we look at that, um, that just kind of goes into what it is that we already know and not just about newborns, but just about medical care for black mothers uh, just in this particular space. So it's, interesting and intriguing at this particular moment that uh, a study which anyone that may have been outside of George Mason University didn't know anything about was being conducted and would be revealed in 2020, right? But the cat was already out of the hat that um, black women are more susceptible to die while conceiving a child than her white and Hispanic uh, counterparts. Um, 
the CDC, I'm going to another article, right? Uh, this is also a CNN article. And it stated that 37.1 out of every 100,000 births of a black woman resulted in a black woman dying when in comparison to a Hispanic, which was around 11.2 and a white woman, which was 14.5. So 14.5 white women, 11.2 Hispanic women, 37.1 black women um, per 100,000 births, right? So now getting back to this particular article, uh, to go back down a little bit more, um, it stated that a report from the CDC, which covered a period between 2000 to 2017, was published in June, found that black infants still have more than twice the risk of dying as white infants, right? So um, it stated that these effects appear to manifest more strongly in more complicated cases and when hospitals deliver more black newborns. The findings suggest that black physicians outperform their white colleagues when caring for black newborns. Um, as it states, uh, moving a little bit further, said the, art the authors did not speculate about the reasons behind the trend, but wrote, taking with this work, it gives warrant for hospitals and other care organizations to invest in efforts to reduce such biases and explore that connection to institutional racism. Um, and just to finish it out, reducing racial disparities in newborn mortality will also require raising awareness among physicians, nurses, and hospital administrators about the prevalence of racial and ethnic disparities, right? So, obviously, when I read this, the first thing that I wanted to do, because uh, there are statistics everywhere, right? Wherever you can go, you can find a statistic, right? So what I wanted to do is I just wanted to go and say, okay, let's look at the percentage of physicians. So I went to um, the American, I mean, not the American, Association of American Medical Colleges, right? And what it what it gives, it gives, it gave a, a, a figure from, uh, 2019, right? A figure from 2019, and what it did was it broke up the percentage of physicians by their race or ethnicity that they claim. So let's let's dig into that a little bit. Among uh active physicians, 56.2 identified as white, 17.1 identified as Asian, 5.8 identified Hispanic. And 5% identified as black or African-American. Uh, it goes on to say, note that the race for 13.7% of active physicians is unknown, which makes it the largest subgroup between white and Asians. Right. So. That's. That's interesting. All right. That's interesting. So now obviously, you know, I want to go a little bit deeper. So I want to see, okay, well, we understand that. So let's talk, let's let's see what the percentages are for OBYGN. I mean OBGYNs, right? So I went to Medscape, right? Um, this was published 
um, January 11th, uh, 2017. So roughly three years ago, but I, I don't really feel like the percentages would be that big of a difference, right? So the question is, how do OBGYNs describe their race and ethnicity? Okay, 77.2%. Now listen to that. 77.2% identify as white or Caucasian, whereas 5.7% identify as black, African-American, 5.6% identify as Hispanic or Latino. Right. So let's break that down a little bit more. Okay. Um, now we're getting into gender. 60% of white or Caucasian females are OBGYNs and 40% white Caucasian males are OBGYNs. Black women, African-American women, represent 71% of OBGYNs and black men represent 29%. Hispanic and Latino, uh, judging by this particular article, is the only study group that they uh, conducted a study on that their males, from a percentage standpoint, outnumber the females. 51% of Hispanic Latino men uh, are OBGYNs and 49% of Hispanic women um, or OBGYNs, right? So, just to, you know, just to get into that. So, now when we go back to this particular article, that black newborns are three times more likely to die under white carcade, under, under being looked over by white doctors, we look at a tremendous disparity amongst OBGYNs, right? When you have 77.2% of a particular race that represents a very, just the very likelihood, just the very nature of, 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 of helping conceive life uh, into this planet, I feel like it throws up the red flags right there, honestly to me, right? So when we... Look at this, I, 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 because this is such a, a, a deep uh, subject, at least in my opinion, that we have to, like I said, have to go deeper than just this article, and which is what I did. I, I wanted to look at the percentage of physicians. I wanted to look at the percentage of physicians specifically for this particular matter at hand. I wanted to look at black women's mortality rate, which again, like I stated, is higher than her white and Hispanic counterparts, right? So the question then becomes, well, what can go to this? I mean, what can um, <clears throat> be attributed to this? And again, the like I said, the article basically uh, put it at institutional racism. So when we when we when we bring institutional racism into the situation, what we have to really, really delve into is how does it get to this particular situation? 
And so it led me to think, okay, I've heard of instances in which um, educators are given the ability to go to rural areas and work and have loan forgiveness. They just have to work there for a period of time. Now, what we can gather from something like that, which, again, this is solely my opinion. Um, and this is not a catch all. Obviously, there are going to be instances in which what I feel may be the norm is exceeded. But in my opinion, when you have a situation or scenario like that, you may not be getting the best crop of teachers, right? You may not be getting the best crop of teachers. And when I say best crop, I'm not speaking in terms of they are, they have a lacking of intelligence. They just may not have been in situations to deal with the type of students that they're going to be working with. They're looking more so at it from a standpoint that I can't get a job in a suburban school district, which pays more money. And I just need to do this to try to help myself from a financial burden. So I'll deal with this. I may not put my all forward again. This is not a catch all. So as I did um, some more research finding um, a few more articles, that is the case for some healthcare professionals that they are they have the ability to enroll in such programs as well. But what I see from this particular standpoint is that obviously a person that's in medical school, right, their student loan debt is gonna be a lot more than that of an educator, which gets to the point that going by this article again, um, I got this from um, the Washington Examiner. Examiner. Uh, it was posted June 20th, 2019. It says student debt is keeping doctors from rural areas, right? So um, I just want to pick out a couple um, points in this and then we're going to move on. So it states that primary care doctors are often patients only care providers in areas that lack specialists, particularly poor or rural communities, according to Dr. Tracy Henry of Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta. It states, few young people want to pursue careers in primary care or general medicine because of their relatively low salaries and high student loan balances make the calculation even less favorable. So, again, this all goes back to money. Right. In areas where the health care is more than likely not what it needs to be, we can also look at areas like that to say, obviously, the finances are not there. Right. They're not in essentially revenue generating locations. And we already have the sense that um, as much as 
people try to put on the facade, we know that, again, not a catch-all, but you have white physicians that don't feel or don't give the same services to a black person that they would give to someone that is of their same race, right? So we're speaking again, going back to the article from the Association of American Medical Colleges. We're speaking about 56.2% that identify as white. So I'm not going to sit up here and say all 56.2% feel that way, but I'm sure that the percentage that works in rural areas that are dealing predominantly with black people, I'm sure that that percentage of people that feel that way is may outnumber that percentage that doesn't feel that way, right? So moving on, going back to the article from the Washington Examiner, um, it states, the Association of American Medical Colleges expects to see a decline in the number of primary care physicians somewhere between 14,800 and 49,000 by 2030, a trend undesirable areas will feel most acutely. So what is that saying? Basically, that is saying that due to, again, due to student loan debt, due to areas not being able to pay you essentially what you're worth, you're not going to be essentially in a position due to the area that you're in, which which we can, again, is, is, is institutional racism, essentially, right? Because you essentially allow for multiple opportunities to be in select areas and a large percent, a larger percentage are in underserved areas. So it's just like when you're competing, jobs and places, they want the best of the best. But if you don't have the war chest to bid or to attract the best of the best, you're going to get the scraps or you're even going to get someone that just is like, look, I'm just here to work. Right. So going a little bit further down, it said Americans in rural areas are already five times more likely to face a shortage of primary care doctors in their counties. But even urban and suburban areas face a shortage almost as substantial. Um, Henry said Grady Memorial has too few providers to adequately care for all patients who are often poor and uninsured. Now, some of you may listen and say, well, what does this have to do with black newborns? You're talking about physicians in general. But yes, I'm talking about physicians in general, but we already have broken down the percentages of these particular people. So if we know that only 5.7% of black people with 71% being black females are OBGYNs, not only are black women as well as their, as their offspring 
at a disadvantage due to the fact not only because, for one, we're in areas that, and again, this is not a catch-all. This doesn't apply for, for everyone. And even in certain instances, it may not even be anything to do with the area that you're in. You may be in a good area, but just due to the fact that we understand the institutional racism uh, just spills over into a multitude of things, you still are, you still have a lesser percentage to see a physician an OBGYN um, that is of your that is of your ethnicity, right? As a black woman, you have a five point seven percent chance, and obviously, with such a low percentage, we have to assume or just just put it out there that they're not necessarily going to be in underserved areas at a higher percentage. Right. So what essentially I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tie all of this together, because while this article states that black newborns face a or three times as likely to die. Um, being cared for by a white physician. When we look at the numbers. The numbers are screaming and stating that we already understand that there's inequality. But it's also screaming that this particular trend is not a trend that's going to stop anytime soon, especially when they are 71% of OBGYNs that identify as white Caucasian. It's not a trend that's going to stop anytime soon. So, while that article, again, is going to cause some people to, you know, make the hair on the back of the neck jump up, it, again, to me, it's not, when you look at it, it doesn't delve a little bit deeper. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't identify everything. So, again, like I say, this is a puzzle. So, that's, that article is a piece. So the job of anyone that's looking at this and my job since I'm presenting this topic is for me to give all of the pieces to the puzzle so we can put the puzzle together so we can look at it. So now what do we have? We have, okay, we already know, okay, Caucasians represent 71% of OBGYNs, right? Okay. Black women have um, health issues. We as black people, we have health issues. We suffer from hypertension, um, strokes, diabetes, things of that particular nature. So a lot of times we're already high risk, right? So, um, so that adds into the pot, right? And that adds into the pot again when we talk about certain areas that we live in you don't have the correct food choices around. And unless you um, possess the ability of discipline to put yourself in a regimen that you're not going to be partaking in foods and activities that increase the chances that you don't have a successful pregnancy, right? 
that becomes an issue. And if you don't have an OBGYN who has your best interests at heart, then we get to this particular point that we're at now, right? So that's another piece of the puzzle. So we understand 71% are white Caucasian, 5%, 5 5.7% are black. The likelihood of a black woman getting a black OBGYN is a very, very slim chance. And what makes it even more slim from a general perspective, blacks aren't in medical school at the same clip as their counterparts. So that's pushing the disparity a little bit further. And that's an article that I didn't pull up. I don't have it queued up, but I looked at it, right? I needed to have it, uh, I didn't have it, uh, like I said, uh, queued up, but we have that, right? So, so we moved on from the um, overrepresentation of white OBGYNs. We moved to the aspect that black women are more likely to die while giving birth. Um, again, which kind of goes back to maybe the lack of care that's given because you may not be giving birth in a hotel, not a hotel, <laughs> in a hospital that has, again, all of the prenatal care things that you need to make your birth as successful as possible. Okay. So you have that. Also, you, you know, going back, you don't have an OBGYN who has your best interest at heart as it pertains to making sure that you are eating and that you are preparing yourself for um, childbirth. And You know that, again, there's a small chance that you're going to get an OBGYN that is of your ethnicity, right? So when you put all of that together and you stir it up, then honestly, it it it's good to see that particular headline It's good to see that George Mason university, um, took time, took 23 years, right? Took 23 years to put data together to submit their findings. But I didn't need this article. You know, I didn't need this article because you can essentially put the pieces together. Now, again, this is a this is a good piece to the puzzle. This would be like if you were playing a game and you and this is a bonus level, like a bonus map or something like that, or like a um like a game within a game. You know, this this is what this article is. But when we look at it from the other standpoint, if the black mothers are passing away on the operating table. And we can automatically assume that, okay, that's going to have some, some have some type of ramifications on the child as well, right? It's going to have some ramifications on the child as well. We also understand that 
you know, when we look at it from a wealth standpoint, we as black people, while we have noted which people regurgitate, we have over a trillion dollars in spending power. We don't have a trillion dollars in wealth. As the doc, as the great Dr. Claude Anderson said, we own one. What is it? Half a percent of one percent or something like that. It's something of that nature. So but that's not a lot. No, we own half of one percent. Right. We own half of one percent. And when we look at that, the net worth of um, a black woman, I believe, is what, like twenty dollars or something like that, something of that particular nature. It's something like it's, it's a very low, low number. So we we can automatically assume that we, due to the way things are set up, our black women are not, for the most part, going to be in positions to bring not only herself out healthy, but to give birth to a child that's healthy, and it even let and 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 also not going to be in a situation to be within care of a black physician when only 5.7 OBGYNs are black. But again, like I said, out of that 5.7%, 71% of those are black women. So that could essentially be a match made in heaven because she understands a black woman's body. Because she's a black woman as well. A white woman might not understand a black woman's body. Right? So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Some people may, again, like I said, just the way that certain people look at things and the way some people interpret things. Some people may look at this and say, okay, this is, this is race baiting. This is We don't need this at this particular time. You, you're still trying to stir a particular narrative or anything like that. But at the end of the day, um, awareness is awareness. Awareness needs to be brought. And going back to this particular article, um, it stated that for a white newborn child, it didn't matter the race of the um, caregiver, right? And, you know, <laughs> we don't have to go back to that. You know, whatever the situation is. But for those that know, that know. You know, for those who know, who know. So we don't have to go to that. But, you know, this article that said, you know, that when in care of black physicians, the mort- the mortality rate of black newborns shrunk by 39 and 58% when black physicians took charge of the birth. And it says, which lay bare, laid bare how shocking racial disparities in human health can affect even the first hours of a person's life. So, like I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't need this article to, to, to bring, you know, to, to help me to something when I'm, we already understand. But like I said, it's a good reminder because a lot of times most people are speaking solely about um, the mortality rate of a black woman once she gives birth, 
right? But now it's it's taking it a step further again to say, okay, even if the black woman crosses that hurdle and her life is preserved, that doesn't mean that her black baby is going to make it home, right? That doesn't mean her black child is going to make it home alive, right? So, um, you know, like I said, I, you know, um, I got, like I said, this article from CNN, um, pulled up an article from, excuse me, uh, Medscape, like I said, to break down the percentages of doctors by race as well as gender. Um, and again, just went to another article on CNN Health uh, that basically talked about the um, mortality rate of black women. And then, like I said, I got an article from the Washington Examiner that spoke about um, how essentially student loan debt is basically going to keep um, good physicians and just just good physicians from areas that essentially need them the most due to their student loans being so high and them not having a salary that can cover um, their student loan debt. Because I believe, um, where was that article? I don't have it pulled up either. But it was another article that I was looking at that was saying that primary care physicians' um, income have grown up substantially to a little bit over $200,000, but their debt level is upwards of $180,000, right? So, you know, that in that, that in of itself um, puts you at a situation and um, for the most part, they said a lot of that debt is contributed to undergrad studies. So not just the medical school, but the larger percentage of it is the undergrad studies itself, right? So, um, <clears throat> like I said, it's a it's an interesting article. Um, you know, I can I commend the individuals at George Mason for their um, due diligence their hard work in um, putting this information together and getting it out there. Like I said, the initial um, source or the initial outlet that released the story may not be favorable to certain individuals based on their political views. But again, it just, again, it's just putting a little, it's just shining a little bit more light on an issue that, um, we know, right? And this kind of goes uh, along with the aspect that, you know, we need to try to protect our black women a little. We need to put, not not a little bit more, but we need to protect our black women a lot more. And we need to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to make sure that our black children, um, from their first minutes on this uh, planet, that we've done everything in our power to make sure that they are getting the best care that we can afford, right? That we can afford because obviously, of course, a lot of times we can afford the best care, but um, buying a couple of books, um, 
trying to reach out to maybe some midwives and things like that, you know, I, you know, those things are always um, available. So it's um, just, you know, just take more, we need to, we need to try to take more control over um, the pregnancy as um, men, as well as um, the women are doing as the most they can. But if we, as men, uh, we need to try to make sure that we're spearheading uh, a lot of these particular things, whether that's picking up some books, uh, speaking with people, asking a lot of questions, because I feel like a lot of times due to us not having the same level of uh, education and expertise as some of these physicians, um, we just uh, sit there and be quiet and allow for them to say something when um we have the ability to ask questions because um, this is not like buying a car, right? We want to make sure that the life that is brought into this world, um, if it's a son, your namesake, if it's your daughter, your princess, um, make sure that he or she is um, given every chance available by you doing your due diligence. Brothers, we got nine months, right? We got nine months to try to read and, and, to speak with our queens about making sure that she's in the best mental, physical, um, social space that she can be in so that we give our um, young kings and young queens uh, an opportunity to make it here. And once they make it here to 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 um, thrive, right, to thrive, right. So um, that's another episode of the Paradigm 132 podcast. I'll be back to you again next week. Peace.